Before I jump into the message, I got a couple quick things to share with you. First and foremost, I want to remind you that this coming Friday night, the 21st of February, is Advanced Commitment Night. Now, what is Advanced Commitment Night? Now, as you know, we're all in this Kingdom First campaign. We're raising $1.5 million for our uh, build-out, really for our vision, but yeah. the, the major part of it is for our build-out of our new campus in El Cerrito, which we're going to be moving into later this fall. Now, here's the thing I, I want to know. Somebody asked me, uh, they asked, somebody asked me, uh, how much do we already have in the building fund? And I said, we've got about $400,000 in the building fund right now. And the person said, well, since we've already got $400,000 in the building fund, we don't have to raise $1.5 million, right? We only need to raise $1.1 million. Uh, and my response was, actually, no. Uh, because number one, building projects always cost more than they are budgeted to cost. Now, I had the Come to Jesus talk with our architectural firm uh, this week, and I found out that the real number is uh, between, it's about 2.3 million, the actual cost uh, for building out the place. So I don't want you to get comfortable knowing that we got 400000 in the bank. We need every penny of it and more, and we believe God to provide yeah. every penny of it and more. So we have a gift chart here. Uh, that's coming up on the screen in a second. And here's what we're going to need in order to make this project work. We're going to need one gift of $200,000, one gift of $150,000, two gifts of $100,000, two of seventy-five, five of fifty, eight of twenty-five, ten of fifteen, twenty of ten thousand, thirty of five thousand, and many $2,500 gifts. Uh, my little girl uh, came to me yesterday, my daughter, Alethea, 10 years old. She said, Daddy, I'm going to give $10 a month uh, to the building fund. So she has pledged uh, $250 uh, to the building fund, and that's crazy, right? Because that actually doubles her tithe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she, that, she came to me of her own accord and said, I want to do this, Daddy. I want to participate. Now, our goal is 100% participation. Yeah. That's the primary goal, that everybody participates. I believe the enemy would lie to you and say, you're not at a place where you're able to do it. I believe everyone can participate in some way and yeah. believe God to provide. Now, uh, if we go to the next slide, we've got the commitment card, and we've talked about this before. I just want to go over it quickly. As you can see, we're going to get to these numbers by a combination of expanded giving over a 24-month period. So you say, I'm going to give this much a month for 24 months, and then a one-time extraordinary gift of cash or asset, cash, stock, crypto, whatever it is, of this amount. And then you add those two together for your total commitment, and uh, that's how we get to the numbers we're after. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that, except uh, come to Advanced Commitment Night this coming Friday, and Advanced Commitment Night is really for those in the house that God has already stirred your heart, and you already know what the number is, yeah. okay? You know, this is, this is what God has put in my heart. We're going to do this, and those of us that God has already spoken to our hearts and we're ready to go, we're going to come Friday night to Advanced Commitment Night in El Cerrito at 5395 Potrero Avenue at the building, at the site that we're going to refurbish and we're going to have a celebration, and we're going to present our commitment cards. You're not giving any money yet, just the commitment card that says, here's what God stirred my heart with, and we're going to present it. We're going to go first. Yeah. And so it's going to be a great time of worship and celebration and visit vision casting. Everybody's invited, but uh, it's for you if you feel like God has already stirred my heart, and I'm ready to rock with this. I'm ready to roll. Let's do this thing. Now, Commitment Sunday is March 1st, and on Commitment Sunday, that's when the rest of us are going to come all together, and we're all going to present our commitment cards to the Lord on that Sunday. And we're just going to celebrate together as we make this offering to the Lord yeah. and believe God to do great things on our behalf. So those two dates are really important. Advanced Commitment Night, this Friday night, the 21st. Commitment Sunday, March 1st. Sunday, March 1st, okay? Uh, those are two important things. All right, thanks a lot. That's all I need. Now you can raise the screen. And uh, 
we're going to turn our hearts to the Lord, and we're going to hear his word today. Amen? Today's message comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 1, and I'm going to read 14 verses to you this morning. Lord, settle our hearts and open our ears to hear your holy word. This is what it says. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Father, we thank you for your word, which is from everlasting to everlasting. And we settle our hearts today to receive the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this passage of Scripture is actually interpreted from its very first verse, actually from the very first half of the very first verse. Before we actually get into the story, God already interprets the story for us. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Before you hear the story, the story is already interpreted. It was a test. 
Before you understand what Abraham had to do, you understand why he had to do what he had to do. It was a test. Now, I told you last week that there's a difference between a trial and a test. This was not a trial. This was a test. You see, you go through many hardships in life, and some of them are trials, and others of them are tests. You're going to have many more trials than you do tests. You see, all tests are trials, but not all trials are tests. A trial is simply a hardship that you have to endure in order to continue your journey. But a test is something that qualifies you to enter into the next level of your destiny. A trial is something you must go through in order to continue your journey, but a test is something that qualifies you to enter into the next level of your destiny. Now, if you're like me, you hate taking tests. <laughs> tests are never a pleasant thing, but tests are an absolutely necessary thing. Because if we could, we would avoid every test that we would ever have to take in our lives, wouldn't we? I mean, if you had a choice not to take a test, wouldn't you opt not to take it instead of opting to take it? But if you had avoided every test in your life, you would still be in kindergarten today. And that's why spiritually we've got 47-year-old kindergartners in the body of Christ because you've simply avoided every test that God has brought your way. You see, tests are a good thing, and when the teacher brings you a test, it's a good thing because when God sets a test before you, it means that he's ready to level you up to the next level of your destiny. It means that he sees you walking at the place you're at and says, I'm going to take you to a higher place, but before I take you to that higher place, you've got to walk through this test. The test is a good thing. If your martial arts instructor takes you aside and says, I want to test you for your black belt. It means that your martial arts instructor believes that you're ready to test for your black belt. Yeah. You see, the thing about tests is that no good teacher gives a test before he or she has fully prepared the student to take it. God will never give you a test that he has not first prepared you to take. And that means that if God has led you to a place where you're being tested, God has first prepared you for that test. However, when you're taking a test, God is silent because every good teacher is silent while the student is taking a test. You see, the only information that a teacher gives you in the midst of the test is necessary information for taking the test. The teacher will not give you the answer. The teacher will simply identify the question. The teacher will not give you the solution, but the teacher will give you the problem. And so some of you are walking through seasons in your life in which God is not giving you a whole lot of information. I think it's because you're in a test and the teacher is silent while you're taking the test. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. God says, now you're ready to take the test after these things. It came to pass after these things. You see, before God could test Abraham, there's some stuff that Abraham had to walk through, and there's some places that God had to take him. First, God had to call him and say, get up out of your father's house and go to the place that I'll show you. And Abraham had to get up and go. He obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Before God tests you, he first calls you to see if you're going to follow and go where he calls you to go. And then God had to rescue him because even though Abraham had the faith to go to the promised land, he didn't have the faith to stay in the promised land. And as soon as the first famine hit the promised land, he jetted and ran down to Egypt. 
And so God had to come and rescue him from his failure when he went down to Egypt. And then he got there and realized he had to lie and tell people that his wife Sarah was his sister so they wouldn't kill him. And God had to come talk to Pharaoh and tell him, don't touch this man's wife. He's a prophet. I've set him apart. God had to rescue him from his own foolishness and bring him back. You see, God not only has to call you, but he has to rescue you before he can give you a test. And then thirdly, God had to separate him. You see, in order for him to grow and become all that God had intended him to be, he had to separate himself from Lot. And so God had to separate him from from the mixture, from the things that would hinder his growth and hinder his maturity in life. You see, some of you are, are in a stage in which God is still separating you from people and from places and from things that would hinder you from entering into a deeper place of fellowship with him and from maturity in him. So God had to separate him. And then God had to empower him. When Lot was carried away by the five kings, something rose up on the inside of Abraham. He never knew himself to be a warrior, but he discovered he was a warrior now when somebody messed with his family. You see, you have to go through a stage where God shows you that you're mightier than you are, that you're more powerful than you thought you were, and that you could do more than you thought you could do. All of a sudden, Abraham discovered the warrior on the inside of himself. God had to empower him before he tested him. And then next, God had to sustain him because God had given him a promise and there was was an intermediate period of many years before God would ever fulfill that promise. And through those years of waiting, God had to sustain him and then finally God had to bless him by bringing the promise to pass. And only after God had called him and rescued him and separated him and empowered him and sustained him and then blessed him, only now was God ready to test him. And so it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now you're ready, Abraham. I thought I was already in my destiny. Nope, not yet. (laughs) I got to test you first. I thought I was already blessed. Yep, you are blessed. But that don't mean you're going to pass the test. Mm. Now I got to test you. Abraham. (laughs) Now here's what's crazy. And God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Because what the teacher does when the teacher is going to begin the test is first he takes role. (laughs) And it goes without saying that in order to take the test, you must be present for the test. The teacher takes role and calls out the names of the people who should be in the room to take the test. And if the teacher calls your name and you're not on the role, You don't get to take the test. You need to get out of the room. But if the teacher calls your name and you do not respond because you are not present, you do not get to take the test. The first part of the test is to determine whether or not you are present enough with God in order to take it. Because many of us in the body of Christ miss the tests that the Lord has constructed for us simply because we're not present with him. He says, Abraham, and there's nobody there to say, here I am. Because your mind is on earthly things. Because you're distracted by the trial. You're too distracted by the trial to take the test. Abraham passes step one simply by being present with God. So that when God says, Abraham, he says, here I am. And God says, "Mm, check that off. Do you realize that when you're taking the SAT, you get a certain number of points just by putting your name in the right place? In the same way, when you're walking with God and God brings you into a place where it's time for a test, you get a certain number of points with him just by putting your name in the right place, just by being able to say, here I am, when he calls your name. 
We miss tests simply because we're not present enough with God in order to take them. Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Take now your son, and I'm going to describe your son to you, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. You see, the first phrase, take now your son, was simply a descriptive phrase. He's your son. That's how he's related to you. Your only son, literally your one and only, the Hebrew word there, yachid, it means the thing of most value in your life. Your one and only son. The thing that's most important to you, your one and only son, Isaac, his name means laughter. The thing that brings you laughter. The thing that it has become the primary source of your joy. Take now your son, your only son, laughter, your laughter, your joy, whom you love, whom you value above all things. It's as if God is saying, I know exactly what this is going to cost you, Abraham. I know exactly what I'm asking you for and how deeply this is going to cut you. I've prepared this test because I know exactly how deeply I need to cut you in order to prepare you to enter into the next stage of your destiny. Before you can level up, I've got to cut you deep. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And then silence. You see, the difference between a trial and a test is that a trial involves hardship, but a test involves sacrifice. You haven't been tested by God until you're called to the place of sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you anything, it's not a test. It might be a trial, but it's not a test. If you haven't had to let go of the thing that you love the most, it's not a test yet. You're not ready to enter into your destiny until God has called you to the place where you have to let go of the thing that you love most. You remember what Jesus said? He said, man cannot serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will cling to the one and despise the other. And then he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. And we talked about this in the fall, that that the word mammon literally refers to the stuff of your life that is the most important to you. It includes father and mother, brother and sister, son and daughter, wife and husband, friend. It's It's your relationships, it's your money, it's your vocations, it's whatever in your life that you cling to, that you love, that you cherish above all things, that is your mammon. Yeah. And Jesus says, you can't serve God and mammon. Yeah. You have to choose. At a certain point, it becomes a conflict of interest. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will cling to the one and despise the other. God goes right to the heart and says, Abraham, I need to know that if it's between me and your son, who do you choose? Man, that sounds harsh. I don't know if I could serve a God who's that vindictive, who's that cruel, who's that bloodthirsty. Really? That's what it means to serve you? 
that any, and that's why Christians are scared all the time. That's why some of y'all are scared right now. Just hearing a sermon like this, you immediately went to that thing like, Lord, please don't ask for that. Please. I want to settle you right now and tell you this is the good news of the gospel. This is not a bad news sermon. I guarantee you that if you stick with God and if you walk it out with him, you're going to come out the winner on the other side. It's fear that causes us to turn away and run. Remember we talked about the difference between the fear of the Lord and the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear causes you to turn away from the Lord and run from him. The spirit of Uh, The fear of the Lord causes you to turn toward the Lord and run toward him. The spirit of fear causes you to fear obedience to God. But the fear of the Lord causes you to fear disobedience. It's interesting that God finishes this statement to Abraham. And the very next verse says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. God said to Abraham, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Next verse. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. But between verse 2 and verse 3, between the command and Abraham's obedience is a night. It's called the dark night of the soul. And it doesn't tell us what happened in that night, but I can tell you what happened in that night. What happened in that night is Abraham didn't get much sleep at all. Abraham tossed and turned and heaved and cried and snot and blood. It was that night was like the night before Jesus was crucified when he was in the garden and his sweat was like great drops of blood when he said, Father, if it's possible, Let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. That was the most devastating night of Abraham's life. And I want you to know that some of you are in the midst of that night right now because God has put his finger on something in your life and says, I want this, but you're struggling to surrender it. And everything on the inside says, God, why are you so mean? And this can't be God. And why are you so vindictive? And, And oh, God, is there another way? If there's anything else I could give you, just let me give you that. Let me say something to you. It's okay for you to wrestle all night as long as you're ready to get up and obey in the morning. Wow. Yes. Amen. Yes. I don't want you to think that obeying God is just as simple as, okay, cool, no problem. <laughs> hey, God wants it. I'll give it to him. There's nothing I hold on to. <laughs> yes, there is. There's all kind of stuff you hold on to. Because the moment you say, there's nothing I hold on to, God says, okay, I want that. And you're like, oh, crap. I didn't realize I was holding on to that. I didn't realize that I desperately wanted to cling to that above all things. Abraham rose early in the morning. The morning of obedience. Mm. There's pain in the offering, but I'm going to obey. I don't know where I'm going to find the strength to do this, but I'm going to obey. This doesn't even make sense to me, but I'm going to obey. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of the young men with him and Isaac, his son. 
And he split the wood of the burnt offering. He's already preparing his sacrifice long before he has to give it. He says, I've got to prepare my sacrifice because I know in the, mo in the moment of it, I'm not going to have the strength to split any wood. Wow. I can't procrastinate. And he split the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. <laughs> Next verse, it says, then after three days, how long? Then after three days, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. For three days, he had lost his son. I know someone else who lost his son for three days. I'll give you three guesses. The first two don't count. <laughs> Abraham feels during those three days that he is forsaken by God, abandoned by God, because God called him to lose his son not realizing that he was walking in deeper fellowship with God than he had ever walked before in his life. Because when God calls you to the place of sacrifice, he calls you to the place of fellowship. He says, Abraham, you're going to find fellowship with me in the place of sacrifice like you've never known before. After this, I'm going to call you my friend. Why? Because my friend knows what it's like. Only me and you know what it's like to lose our son for a three-day period. Only you and I know the pain. The struggle. When you walk through a time of sacrifice, God is building fellowship with you. Wow, yes. See, you think you can build fellowship just by soaking. Turn on some worship music and just soak. No, 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 no. Fellowship with God doesn't come through soaking. It comes through sacrifice. And some of y'all are soaking and avoiding the sacrifice. Now, I won't get no sacrifice. I'll just do some more soaking. Just keep worship music playing 24-7. Ain't yeah. sacrificing nothing. And God says, yeah, you just stay right there. I'll keep you at a distance. Wow. But Abraham, you've walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death. The psalmist said, gather to me my faithful ones, those who have made covenant with me by sacrifice. You don't realize that when God calls you to the place of sacrifice, he calls you to the place of covenant. He says, through this test, you and I are going to build a bond with one another that goes beyond anything that you've ever experienced. You're going to look back at that moment and say, that's the moment where I walked with him. That's the moment where he walked with me. That's the moment where I came to know him in a way that goes beyond anything that I could ever imagine. That's the place where I chose him and he chose me. Wow. For three days, Abraham endured the darkest night that his soul had ever experienced. Then, after three days, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And he said to the young men, You stay here with the donkey. <sighs> me and the lad will go yonder and worship. You stay here with the donkey. Me and the lad will go yonder and worship. I looked at that word yonder in the Hebrew. It literally means farther. Me and the lad will go farther and worship. Do you realize this is the first place in the Bible the word worship is used? And there's no singing. And there's no clapping, and there's no dancing, and there's no keyboard, and there's no guitar. You see, when we say we're going to have a time of worship, we think it's a time of singing. And as long as we've sung, we've worshipped. There's no singing here. There's a sacrifice. And that's worship. 
I think we maybe shouldn't call it a time of worship. We should just call it a time of singing because I think for a lot of us, they're singing but no sacrifice, so there's actually no worship going on. It's like God said of Israel, he said, you draw, this people draws near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. All it is is lip service. God's not looking for your lip service. He's looking for your knife service. Abraham says, now the real worship is about to begin. And at this place where you go yonder, where you go farther with just you and your sacrifice, you have to go alone. Nobody can go with you to that place. Nobody can make the sacrifice for you. Nobody can offer what is yours to the Lord. Only you can offer what is yours to the Lord. Nobody can pray you through that place of sacrifice. you got to pray yourself through it. Abraham said, I've come as far as I can come in community. Now I've got to go yonder and worship. Now I've got to go farther and worship. Me and the lad, me and my sacrifice are going to go together. Some of you need to make a decision after we've prayed and worshiped together, after we've sang, and after you need to walk out of this door and say, now it's time for me to go yonder. Now it's time for me to go farther. Now it's time for me to actually live out the sacrifice, live out the commitment that I made to God in his house this morning. Now it's time for me to go farther and worship. And then he says, and then, here's the good news, we will come back to you. <laughs> Abraham says, I, I, you didn't get it because that was enough to make a Baptist speak in tongues, shout in the spirit, and fall out on the floor. <laughs> Me and the lad are going to go yonder and worship. I'm talking to you, Soda. <laughs> Me and the lad, we, are going to go yonder and worship, and then we will come back to you. Yeah. Abraham, what are you talking about, we will come back to you? Don't you know God told you to offer him as a burnt offering up there? You mean you will come back? Abraham says, no, we will come back. How is it that we will come back? And Abraham would say, because I refuse to believe that my God is a vindictive God. I refuse to believe that my God is cruel. You, you're telling me, if you want me to believe that my God's going to take from me and not give back to me, you want me to believe that my God simply wants blood, the blood of my son, you want me to believe that God wants a sacrifice but it's not going to give me a blessing? Oh, no, 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 my brother. That's not the God that I know. That's not the God that I love. That's not the God that I serve. If he's asking for a sacrifice, it's because he's qualifying me for a blessing. And I'm going to be, and he's, I've resolved in my heart to obey my God because I know that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You can't tell me that I'm going to go up there and outgive God. I just don't believe it. And the author of Hebrews actually explains this verse to us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 and 18. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Verse 18, yeah. concluding that God was able to raise him up wow. even from the dead, wow. from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Literally, the author of Hebrews says, when Abraham went up to that mountain to offer the sacrifice, he went up and offered it in faith, believing that after the knife came down and plunged into his son and his son was dead, God was going to revive the dead body of his son and bring him back to life. Yeah. 
I'm going up with my son and I'm coming back with my son. I'm going to obey God fully, but my God is not going to disappoint me. My God is not going to let me down. See, the problem when we talk about sacrifice in the church is everybody gets scared because everybody thinks God is mean and vindictive. Because you don't trust him. Because you think he wants to take and keep. You think he just wants to drain you. Abraham says, no, that's not the God that I serve. By faith, Abraham offered. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Listen to this. Look at the words of that verse. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. I know someone else who offered up his only begotten son. concluding, verse 18, that God was able to raise him up. You see, he offered him up because he believed God was able to raise him up. You will never offer up that which you do not believe God to raise up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get that? No, you missed it. Because that's why you don't give the tithe. Because you think it's just you're going to offer it up and it's going to be gone. And you don't believe that if you offer it up, God will raise it up because you don't trust him. We neglect the place of sacrifice simply because of a lack of faith. Sacrifice takes faith. The test was not about Abraham's willingness to slaughter his son. It was about his faith. It's the testing of your faith that produces patience. You ever read the book of James? In James chapter 1, verse 12, James says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for after he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And he said, have accounted pure joy earlier, counted pure joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work so that you might be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. But if anyone lacks faith, let him ask God who gives to all men freely and does not hold back, but yeah, let him yeah, ask yeah. in faith. Doubting nothing, for who, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro with every wind. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from God. Yeah. Even faithless sacrifices receive no response from God. What God is testing is your faith. Wow, yes. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, the testing of your faith which is of greater worth than gold, though, though it perishes, though refined yeah, by fire, yeah, yeah. might be to the praise, glory, and honor of Jesus when he's revealed. Mm. What's being tested is how much you trust God. Mm. Do you trust him in the sacrifice? Or is it just like, fine, God, take it then. <laughs> Forget you then. <laughs> yeah. You want to take, fine, take it, God, just take it, fine. Or do you trust him? Me and the boy, we're going to worship, and then we're coming back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong.
Where are we? Oh, this is the best part. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. The wood he laid on Isaac. The wood and the sacrifice. The fire and the knife he took in his own hand. The wood and the sacrifice were the passive components. The knife and the fire were the active components. He took the active components in his own hand. This is my responsibility. I can't delegate this to anyone else. The ministry of the fire and the knife, that's my ministry. Most of us, I'll carry the wood. (laughs) (laughs) You ever been in that place where you knew you were with somebody that wasn't the Lord? And you said, God, would you please end it for me? You know what I'm talking about? I remember, I remember, I remember being in college, I was dating somebody, and I knew she wasn't the Lord, but I couldn't end it, because I love her. (laughs) Sorry, baby, it was you. (laughs) I remember I was in prayer one day, and the Lord said, let her go, she's not the one. And then I went home, and my mom said, Benjamin, the Lord spoke to me this morning about you. I said, oh, no. She's the prophet that never says anything good about me. I said, what did the Lord say? You know that young lady? Oh, no, I knew what was coming next. She ain't the one. Let her go. And here's the prayer I prayed. Lord, would you do it for me? Would you just make her end it with me? <laughs> yeah. Because I can't do it, Lord. <laughs> and guess what happened? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> what happened was she started dating a new guy without telling me. <laughs> and everyone else knew it but me. And then she broke up with me on Christmas Day. (laughs) And I thought to myself, the Lord was actually trying to spare me from all of this pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had I just taken the fire and the knife and been willing to make my own sacrifice, the Lord would have spared me from all of this pain. Yeah. Shoot. Mm -hmm. But I just thought God was mean. Can I just tell you the truth? God is never mean. Yeah. He never tries to take something from you just to be mean. Yeah. He's got your best interest in mind. Yeah. He has a plan for your life. He knows the thoughts that he has for you, thoughts of good, not of evil, to prosper you, not to harm you. When he calls you to take the knife and the sacrifice in your own hand, it's the best thing he could ask you for. He's actually giving you an opportunity to participate in your own blessing and in your own destiny. Wow. Lord, I'm willing to let it go, but I, I can't take the knife and the fire in my own hand. Abraham said, no, I'm going to take the knife. Wow. I'm going to take the fire. I'm not going to delegate. It's like Abraham said, Lord, would you just let Isaac just commit suicide? <laughs> just let him plunge it into his own. <laughs> I just can't do it, Lord. Abraham says, no, I'm not delegating this. Yeah. I'm not expecting God to do it for me. 
Abraham took the fire and the knife in his own hand. And the two of them went together. Verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Isn't it interesting that Abraham is not only present with God, but he's present with his own son? Yeah, yeah. He's not only present with God, but he's present with people. Wow, yes. This is another piece of the test. Will you be so present with God that you're absent with people? Will you be so present with people that you're absent with God? Are you going to be so wrapped up in the thing you have to sacrifice that you neglect the people around you who are affected by the sacrifice? Or will you remain present? My father, here I am, my son. Look, the wood and the fire and the knife. But where's the lamb? All of a sudden, Isaac is starting to put two and two together. Something feels funny here. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, what you about to do? Yeah. My daddy done lost his mind. Yeah. And how do you answer that question if you're Abraham? Yeah. How do you explain? Well, son, uh, now that you mention it... <sighs> Should probably let you know what's going on here. Um, how do I say this? <clears throat> when Abraham hits the place where he does not have a logical answer, yeah. he lets his faith talk. Mm. Listen to what he says. My son, God will provide for himself yeah. a lamb. For the burnt offering. Listen to what Abraham says. My son, God's going to provide an offering for himself. At the end of the day, there is no offering that you can give to God that God has not given to himself. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's God who provides the sacrifice. At the end of the day, God doesn't want nothing from you. Yeah. He don't yeah. need nothing from you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at the same time, you must recognize that nothing is yours. This is really what the sacrifice is all about because in your pride, you thought you were giving to God something that belongs to you. But the sacrifice requires the knowledge that there's nothing that I'm giving to God that was not His before I gave it. And when I make the sacrifice, I'm simply acknowledging this belonged to God in the first place and now it belongs to God in my own heart in my own mind, yeah. in my own experience, yeah. in my own reality, I'm simply submitting to God that which was His before I submitted it to Him. Because yeah. it's so easy for us to say, my whole life belongs to God. Yeah. Everything belongs to God. And God says, give me this. Whoa, no, whoa, hold, hold on a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can't give you that, Lord. Well, I thought everything belonged to me. Yeah. We refuse to surrender to Him every day, but we still claim, all I am belongs to you. No, it doesn't. Will you stop lying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ain't doing nothing but lying. And the Lord, you think the Lord doesn't see? Yeah. yeah. Abraham says, God's going to provide the sacrifice. Yeah. It's God's work. And that was enough for his son. Verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there. Isaac, you sit here. Yeah. 
This is not your work, Isaac. This is my work. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And Abraham bound his son Isaac. Now, Now it moves quickly. It moves really quickly from this point. Abraham has to move quickly because he can't stop and think about what he's about to do. Yeah. When it comes time to actually make the sacrifice, you must make it quickly. Wow. Or else you're going to second-guess yourself and you're going to reevaluate and you're going to backpedal from the commitment that you made to the Lord. Abraham says, I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to do it quickly. So he builds the altar. He puts the wood in order. And Abraham bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his son and took the knife to slay his son. And he lifts the knife over his son. But the angel of the Lord calls to him from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham! Right at that place. And he says, here I am which means that he had not become so attached to his sacrifice that he had disconnected himself from God. Because it's not enough to hear the teacher say, the test has just begun. But you also must be able to hear the teacher say, the test just ended, put your pencil down. Only God knows when the test is over. God determines when it starts and God determines when it's over. Some of us are present with God enough to hear him say, take your son, your only son, but we're not present with God enough to hear him say, stop. And we plunge the knife into the very, God's, no, 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 no. And then you're mad at God. (laughs) Abraham remains present with God. He remains present with Isaac. You know who's absent, peculiarly absent from this story is Sarah. That, I think that's why it says he rose early in the morning. <laughs> Before Sarah woke up, he's like, y'all, we got to get out of here with the quickness. <laughs> he just left a note, I'll be back in about six days. <laughs> How are you going to talk that one through with your wife? Uh, baby, baby um, see what happened was God, God has spoke to me last night, right? <laughs> Look, you're not going to like what I'm about to do. (laughs) The angel of the Lord speaks to him from heaven at the very place where he lifts the knife with full resolve to slay his son. This is the the test. The faith to lift the knife. Mm You know, in this whole Kingdom First campaign, my wife and I made a decision that we're not giving God an offering, we're giving Him a sacrifice. You know what the difference between an offering and a sacrifice is? An offering comes out of your extra. A sacrifice comes out of your lack. You see, you haven't made a sacrifice until you have to lift the knife over something. In order to make our pledge, I had to analyze our finances over a three-month period, and then I had to sit down with my wife and say, as of March 1st, here's our new budget. And here are the things that we are lifting the knife over. My wife and I, we have this thing called discretionary funds. It's part of our monthly budget where she gets a portion, I get a portion, and Alethea gets a portion. It's a smaller portion, but it's a portion. (laughs) And we can spend our discretionary funds however we want. I can buy camera gear, and she can buy nothing and save it. And that's why at any given time, I've got some new camera, pe- cam- camera gear, 
and she's got several thousand dollars. <laughs> I said, baby, we're, we're holding the knife over that. For 24 months, that's got to go. Ooh, but that hurts, doesn't it? That hurts. Yep, it's supposed to hurt. It's a sacrifice. It's funny, you know, when it comes to money. We, we get funny when it comes to money. You know why God asks us for our money? It's, it's because it tends to be the thing that we value most. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think if we were honest, some of us value money more than our kids. Ooh, mercy. We would rather God ask for a kid. Because, I mean, when it comes to something you want, it's like it's going to be tight, but I can make it. But when it comes to offering something to the Lord, yeah, I I don't think I can afford that. It's just, it don't fit the budget. God was asking Abraham not for an offering, but for a sacrifice. Do you know the difference? It's like the, the, the proverbial chicken and the pig. When you have your bacon and eggs in the morning... The chicken made an offering, but the pig made a sacrifice. We're so used to bringing God our eggs, but he wants our bacon. But here's what's crazy, and this is the thing. When my wife sat down and we looked at, it's not just our discretionary income we had to hold the knife over. There's a lot of stuff we had to hold the knife over. There's some restaurant nights out that we had to hold the night over. We had to hold the knife over Target and hold the knife over Amazon. And by the way, do you know how demonic Amazon is? I had, I had no clue how much money we were spending on Amazon. Good Lord. You know there's 50 million Amazon boxes in the sky at any given time? This whole country is just covered, blanketed by Amazon boxes. Every day, we got new Amazon boxes, and I'm like, I don't even remember ordering that. My wife asks me every day, what did you order? I'm like, I don't even know anymore. (laughs) It's like, a spoon. We need a new spoon, Amazon. (laughs) It's only $1.75, and that's how they get you. So we got to hold the knife over this nonsense. We got to hold the knife over boba. I mean, not completely cut it out, but definitely cut it back. You understand what I'm saying? But here's my wife and I, we got so excited when we made the decision to hold the knife over our finances. Why? Because we fully believe that God is going to interrupt us in the midst of our sacrifice. See, this is the thing. If you've got faith that God is calling you to the place of sacrifice, then you fully expect that the God who called you to the place of sacrifice will actually raise up a sacrifice for himself. There's no way I'm going to outgive God. He's going to interrupt me in the midst of my sacrifice. He's promised to do so. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have to hold up the knife. It doesn't mean I'm never going to feel it. It doesn't mean that at the very moment we start the campaign, exactly that much money and more is going to come. That's not what it means at all. It simply means that I'm walking in faith that I can never outgive God. 
that when he calls me to the altar of sacrifice, he calls me there because he's ready to promote me. Yeah. Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Put down your pencil, Abraham. Do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, for you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. The test is over. Why is the test over? Because now I know it's in your heart. Now I know that you fear God because you haven't withheld from me your one and only. You haven't withheld from me the thing that you hold in greater value than anything else in this life. The test is over, Abraham, because now I can see your heart. The test was designed not to kill your son, but to expose your heart. And you had to lift the knife in order for your heart to be exposed. Now I know that you fear God, for you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. God already had another sacrifice waiting. I thought I was going to have to kill my son and he was going to raise him from the dead, but God already had another ram in the bulrushes. He already had another ram in the thicket. God had already provided the sacrifice. And Abraham went and took the ram and he unbound Isaac and took him off the altar and he laid the ram on the altar and he offered the ram as a burnt offering to the Lord instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. You ever heard the phrase, Jehovah Jireh? Yeah. Yahweh Yirah. Yeah. The Lord will provide. He called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. You see, we completely misunderstand the promise of divine provision. We're constantly claiming divine provision for what? For my new car, for my house, divine provision for for tutoring for my child, divine provision for for karate lessons, divine provision for our, our trip, divine provision for this and for that. And you don't realize that the promise of divine provision is that God will provide for the sacrifice. You see, if you stop trusting him for the rent and the light bill, if you stop trusting him for that stuff and start trusting him for the sacrifice, if your heart says, I'm ready to make sacrifice, but God, you got to provide for the sacrifice and journey to the mount of the Lord by faith that the Lord will provide the sacrifice. Now you begin to experience his provision. Now you discover his provision. On the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And most of us completely miss the provision of the Lord because we're not willing to journey to the mountain of the Lord. We're not willing to meet him there at the place of sacrifice. I get excited when God calls me to sacrifice because I know I'm going to discover new provision there. I told you the story of how my wife and I, several years ago, were $18,000 in credit card debt, and we cried out to the Lord and said, deliver us from this debt. And the Lord said, I want you to double your tithe starting today. I said, God, your math is bad. That don't even make sense. Double your tithe. 10% is 10%. You double it. It's not 10% anymore. Go back to school, Lord. (laughs) Lord said, here's the path to your provision. Double your tithe. I said, Lord, we can't even make it giving 10%. How are we going to make it giving 20? And the Lord was silent. (laughs) 
So my wife and I, we took hands, we prayed, and we felt faith come into our hearts, and we doubled our tithe, and God started sending provision from everywhere, and by December 13th of that year, we made the last credit card payment and paid off $18,000 in credit card debt. How? Because we went to the mountain of the Lord, and on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Yes. Amen. Amen. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven again and said, as surely as I live, says the Lord, in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. And I will make your descendants as numerous as the sands of the sea mm, wow. and of the stars of the sky. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies because you have done this. Wow. Because you met me at the altar of sacrifice. Wow. Jesus. Now you get your promotion, Abraham. Now you're going to discover what your destiny actually is. Abraham, I'm so proud of you. You haven't withheld from me, and so I'm not going to withhold from you. Wow. You submitted your everything to my kingdom. Now I'm going to put my kingdom in your everything. You put everything in my hand. Now I'm going to put my hand in your everything. <laughs> you gave your son to me. Now I'm going to give myself to your son. As a house, God is calling us to the altar of sacrifice. Yeah. You've got to get it out of your head that God's trying to take from you. You've got to get it out of your head that God's trying to take from you. You've got yeah. to get it out of your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to break that spirit of fear that causes you to back away out of fear that he's going to take something from you that you don't want to let go. You've got to break free from that lying spirit of fear that would cause you to protect yeah, that which is yeah, your own. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is mine, Lord. This belongs to me, Lord. No, you've got, to, you've got to break free of that spirit of fear until your heart says, you can have it all, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Every part of my world. Gather to me, my faithful ones, mm. those who have made covenant with me by sacrifice. Wow. Bow your heads. So good. Holy Spirit, I ask you to rest upon every heart and every soul. And I thank you that you're in this place right now. And I thank you that you are moving today. I thank you that you call us to the place of sacrifice because you love us and because you're ready to promote us. Set us free this morning from the spirit of this is mine and fill us with the spirit of it's all yours. Whatever you want, God. It's yours. Whatever you ask God, my answer is yes. 
Unreserved yes, God. You've got my unreserved yes. Unreserved. Because I can never, ever, ever outgive you. It's the Holy Spirit. I pray for a new level of freedom than we have ever experienced before.